Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monacelli. My avid followers knew this podcast as Pleasure Seeking, the Pleasure Seeking podcast, named after my book, The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. As soon as it's available for pre-order, I'll announce it here. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is another podcast. No, this is the same podcast. It's another episode, actually. I'm, um, I can't, you know, sometimes I think, what should I say? Am I Christelle Martinet or Claudia Monicelli? I'll just say, my name is Claudia Monicelli, a.k.a. many of you know me as Christelle Martinet. I'm here today with Robert Riappel. Now, you know, typically when we record an episode, we speak, of course, before and and a couple of times sometimes, and we think, okay, now what are we going to talk about? And so we started having too much of a good time, so I said, no, 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 let's record. I pushed that button, and here we are. So, Robert, thank you for coming, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us. That's a TTT for you. Right. And, and you know, absolute pleasure, Claudia, because we're already having fun. Yeah, so I course. know we're going to not only yeah, deliver a ton of value of to your audience, but we're going to have a blast at the yeah. same time. Wait, wait, I do have cool. to do my job. Um, who is he? Robert uh, Riappel is an international best, best-selling author, an app designer. I'd like to hear about that. An entrepreneur, a trainer who spent more than 18 years traveling around the world sharing his passion. He's always shared the stage with and trained many of the top trainers and thought leaders in the world today. You already heard his voice. You know he has high energy. Uh, With his style, he draws on his journey from humble beginnings to financial freedom at the age of 32. Hmm. To inspire anyone who uh, comes to him to tap into their greatness. Now, Let's before we get to the greatness, let's talk. Let's let's I'd like you to tell us, Robert, who was Robert Riappel at 13, 14 years old? You know, the beginning of puberty. What what kind of um <laughs> you know, don't, you're like, we were gonna have a good time. <laughs> um what was it like for you? You know, that is typically the time that you look back and oh, I never want to go through that again ever. <laughs> What was it like? Well, you? you know, but hey, for me, that was a great turning point in my life, actually. I can imagine. A, a friend of mine, my my dad and my one of my brothers, we were driving and we had one of my brother's friends and, and he had a passion for flying and I wanted to fly. Oh, I wanted to be a pilot. I did too. And he was in something 
Yeah, he was in something in Canada called Air Cadets, mm. and which is a younger version of the Air Force. And we have Army Cadets, Sea Cadets. Oh. And it's for kids that are 13 oh. to 19 to be able to learn discipline, learn skills, all that. Oh. And he was in Air Cadets, and I'm like, I want to join Air Cadets. And my older brother's like, I want to join Air Cadets. Oh. And the problem was, is I was only 10 at the time, so I couldn't. Right. But the Sea Cadets had a younger version called Navy League. And I thought, you know, my oldest brother or older brother went into Air Cadets because yeah. he was old enough. So he joined Air Cadets because he wanted to fly as well. And I decide if he's going to do that, I'm going to do this Navy League. And when I get to 13, I'll switch to Air Cadets because <laughs> uh, I'll age out of Navy yeah, League and yeah. I'll go to Air Cadets. And so I ended up, I joined and I, I, coming from a family where we didn't have a lot of money and we had to be creative with our time and how we right. did things. This was a great social thing for me because every week we had a parade. We a learned parade? discipline. We did learned, you say a parade? Yeah, like it was called, it was called a parade where you, you go on. Um, you, you get it formed up in your division. Oh, right, like right, right. Forces. Yes. You learn all. Right, yeah, sure. Called a parade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not the kind of parade you're no, thinking about. Look, yes. look, wait a minute. No, I was a baton twirler, head baton twirler. I know what you're talking about. And I used to twirl yeah. sabers, the sabers, you know, the swords. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get it. Well, then, see, that's something you and I have in common because when I did at 13, because I was now in the naval thinking, I decided to go into the sea cadets, not the air cadets. Oh. Yeah. And at one point, I actually became the um, the uh, drum major of our band. Oh. And I was actually, I had the mace. And so I was always <laughs> yeah, the I get mace it. around. I get it. Yeah. Oh, I would play, play for hours I know. practicing, practicing. It's great. And so during that age of 13, because I aged out of cadet, um, Navy League, and I'd gone from being an ordinary cadet, I'd been able to get up to what was called the chief of the corps. Yeah. And so I was the highest rank. And of course, at that age, you got ego. Yeah, of course. Well, and I'm now going from cadet Navy League to sea cadets. And I'm like, well, I was the chief of the corps in Navy League. And they knocked me down quick. They're going, yeah, but you go back to the beginning, buddy. You're an ordinary cadet again. Yeah. And I just, it was a great time in my life because um, every week we had our parade. Weekends, we would do like sports uh, competitions or yes. volunteer work. Yes. So that's where I learned my love of volunteering. We would, um, in the summers, I spent every summer either at a two-week camp yeah. away from home. And after the first year, I actually was six weeks or eight weeks away every summer oh, well. from that point on. And it just, it allowed me to really find who I was and the kind of things that I enjoyed and what I wanted to do. And that's kind of, so that 13, 14-year-old age, that's where, of course, you know, I start noticing girls. Right. I was I was just going to get to that. You. you beat me to, my great minds think alike. <laughs> All right. Well, and my mom used to say fools seldom differ. So whichever <laughs> one you want to go with there. <laughs> A, not B. Right? Okay, B. A, okay. And, you know, I was noticing girls, but most men, and I, I can only speak for myself, I was clueless. Oh. See, I didn't know there was a girl that actually liked me. Oh. I'm, you know, wanting to date all these girls, and they're turning me down. And there's this one girl who actually... She, for two years, she tried to get my attention. Oh, you're kidding. And I, I yeah, I know. I, I was clueless, Claudia. I was clueless. <laughs> oh, well, then you and have to go now, back. I'm, well, yeah. If you so had here the I am, 16. Yeah. Oh, God. And, and we're we... all, yeah, we, we jumped forward. She's been trying to get my attention. I'm 16 now. And we're volunteering for an event on a weekend. And we get a break every once in a while. And we're having lunch or playing football, mm -hmm. you know, American-style football, not the soccer football. Mm-hmm. And I'm the quarterback, and I'm of course. throwing for touchdowns, and I'm running. Of course. Yeah, of course. 
And there's this one play, the ball gets snapped to me, and we're playing what's called touch football. Yeah. Because we don't have the equipment right. on. It's just as soon right. as you touch someone, yeah. that's like you tackle them. The ball gets snapped. I'm fading back, but there's no one to pass to. Oh. But I see I can run and probably get a touchdown. So I tuck the ball under. I start running for the end zone. And I'm about to get a touchdown. And all of a sudden, someone tackled me hard from behind and nailed me to the ground. And I'm instantly pissed off. I'm like, who the tackled me? This is touch football. Uh-huh. Until I turned around and saw that it was a girl that tackled Ooh. me. How? I mean... And let me. There were girls yeah, on the team. And put it this way. Oh yeah, oh. it was boys and girls. Oh. And instantly, I was smitten. Oh. My mind went. If she could tackle was, me, uh? there's got to be something awesome about her. And I turned around. And I'm just like. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, what it was is, after two years of trying to get my attention, she saw me flirting with another girl, oh. and she's like, "That's it. I'm going to tackle it. his ass Smart. to the ground. He's going to notice me. Yes, he will." <laughs> Well, she definitely got my attention. She Claudia. sure did, yeah. Uh, the, the next day, I asked her to be my girlfriend, oh. and she said yes. And um, three years later, we got married, and we just celebrated our 32nd Oh, how cute. What a nice story. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all the cadets? Did you ever fly then? No, um, I did never learn to fly because I stayed in Navy, uh-huh. um, Navy League, or in cadets. And I was going to be an officer in the Navy. I even had a scholarship to our Naval Academy here in Canada. Um, At the age of 16, while I was at camp, I spent six weeks at camp. And all of a sudden, I heard that there was a possible chance to get on a Canadian Armed Forces ship for a three-month tour of duty. They were bringing six cadets on. I got a hold of my commanding officer. He put the paperwork in. I got accepted. Mm -hmm. So I flew home from camp, spent two weeks at home, and then flew back to where the Naval Yard was and actually spent the next three months. And I'm so thankful that I did. Uh-huh. Because when I stepped off that ship three months later, I knew I did not want to want go to back be in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> you got that. Right. I finished out my cadets because I loved cadets. Mm-hmm. And I, I last two years I was the chief of the Corps. Um, my now wife, she was actually my second in command. Oh. She was my chief petty officer wow. second. Um, and her brother was my other second in command. And so All in the family. Yeah, we it just we really enjoyed it. You know, I look back at my life in cadets and I would not trade that for mm-hmm. anything because it really played a big part in who I am today. And of course, I met the love of my life. Wow. Well, now we're going to leave the nostalgia, come a little forward. At one point, um, you, well, I don't want to fast forward. I'd like to, there was a time that you lost something. All right. You have the wife, you gain the wife. All right. But at one point at 32, I believe it is, what happened to you? Or do you mind? Well, would it, you like to share that? Earlier than that. Would you mind? Yeah, sure? okay. absolutely. We, um, when we got married uh-huh. and we're both young, we're newlyweds and where we grew up, we were taught when it comes to work, you do whatever job is secure, whether you like it or not, because that supports your family, you do it. And so that's what we did and we were hard workers. Well, here I am, I'm still a newlywed and I'm 21 and also I'm being laid off from my third wow. major job because they're closing mm. the factory. Ooh. And I'm going, what's going on? And here in Alberta, because we have oil, if oil prices are high, we do very, very well. Our economy boosts. Yes. If oil prices are low, we go into a bit of a depression because it's a big part of our economy. Well, we're in the middle of an oil bust. Mm-hmm. I'm now laid off. There's no real work out mm-hmm. there. But I want to support my family, so I decided to deliver pizzas 
for oh, Domino's great. pizza. And because I'm like, I got to do something. Very quickly, I started making more money than when I was working my real job because <laughs> I was, here's the thing, Claudia. I was the old guy for drivers at 21. Oh. All the other drivers were 16, 17, oh. 18. So they wanted to party. So I could always convince oh. one of them to let me take their closing ah, shift see. because I wanted to make money. And after doing that for a bit, I ended up becoming a manager. My wife became my assistant. Oh, she's, and she's always in the picture. Seven. Wow. Yeah, we, we've worked together all Kindred our lives. Kindred souls. And mm. yeah, we started working open to close seven days a week mm -hmm. because we know how to work hard. And we've been doing that for about a year and a half when we found out our franchisee was selling his two stores. He wanted out of Domino's. Mm. I went into panic mode oh. because in my mind, here I go again, I'm about to be laid off, mm. but this time now it's both of us losing our livelihood. Oh dear. And my solution was we need to go and talk to the other franchisees, find out who can manage a store for. Mm -hmm. And my wife would look at me and she's like, why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we buy the store we're working in? Yeah. And I'm like looking at her, I'm like, cause we don't have any money. <laughs> That's why we don't buy the store. <laughs> But I was taught to think inside the box and don't question it. Yeah. My wife was raised to say, what box? Yeah. Good she's for not, her. And so Good she's a her. very creative thinker. And because we have passion, we decide to start learning. Can you buy a business if you have no money? Mm. And making mistakes, you talk about failing forward. Mm. We made a lot of mistakes in, over the next four months. And we learned every time we made a mistake, we learned something. Mm -hmm. And after about four months, we knew what to say and what not to say that we were actually able not to able to buy the store we were working in. We actually got a hundred percent financing to buy both the stores wow. that my franchisee had for wow. sale. Now, wait a minute. This and we is became franchisees. 21 or, or is it a little 24? How we're 23 by this. Oh, okay. We're 23 okay. at this age. Uh -huh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. And we became franchisees, which was the average age of a Domino's pizza mm -hmm. franchisee at that time. Young. And they love to Young. tell you that statistic. But the statistic they didn't like to tell is that the average new franchisee would go bankrupt within six months. There you go. And so we knew how to run a store, but we didn't know how to run a business. Right. And there's a big difference. But we were too tenacious to give up. And for the first two years, we should have gone broke. But we were too tenacious. We were just, we would not give up. And we finally learned how to really run a business. Wait a minute, wait, wait, and we wait. Started making wait, some Robert, good money. just, uh, yeah. I, I want to get yeah. to the nitty gritty. Uh, were there children yeah. at that time yet? No. Okay. And unfortunately, we've never had children. Oh. We, 15 years on that journey and just... Oh, I yeah. see, I see. And we're still on the journey of adoption now. Oh, good, But it's, good. I'll tell you, that's an uh, emotional so, so, roller coaster. Because I was... Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Because um, somewhere along the line, I had read these kind of um, trips. Uh, it sounded like camping trips and... Uh, that's what I used to do uh, and, and love going camping. And I, I just, yes. in my mind, I saw the big people and the little people. And I, and I thought, there must be little people there. <laughs> well, I've got 18 nieces and nephews. <laughs> and we've got seven or eight great nieces and seven or eight great nephews. And we've always been involved in their lives. And in fact, my wife and I did a trip in 2001 uh -huh. where we took two of our nephews and a niece for three weeks on a camping trip there you down go. to California, the Six Flags. Oh, yeah, geez. yeah. We we've always had a lot of interaction with all of our nieces. Mm, mm. Okay, so, yeah. so now we are at Dom. Do you still eat pizza? <laughs> you still? Oh, I love it. I know, I know, I love me? it. I love it. I know, I love it. <laughs> I'm a Jersey yeah, girl. And we, <laughs> we love Domino's. Right? It's very close. <laughs> and 
to where I live. We started we started making some pretty good money and we but our growing up poor, we watched our parents when times were tough, they could they could make it through, they could work. But if we ever got extra money, we spent it. So that's what my wife and I started doing. And we started as we made more money, we started spending more money than we had. Mm. And we were franchisees for eight years. We are now over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in personal debt mm. and going down quickly mm. and stressed out beyond belief. Oh, I can imagine. And I don't know Please. about you yeah, Claudia, you know, financial stress is probably the worst stress I've ever gone through. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I you mean, know? I'm ready to sleep under the bridges and, you know, in the corner somewhere. If I don't have a house, I could do that. I could do that. But if I yeah. have debt, no, I can't. Oh, that is... Yeah. No. <laughs> afraid to answer the phone. Right, yes. Afraid to answer yes, the door. Yes. And, and that's no way to live, but that's where we were. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development. Uh-huh. Um, out of necessity, actually someone had given us tickets to it, a three hour talk. It, we went and it blew us away. We sold, um, we bought, paid $600 that we didn't have to go to a three day training. Mm-hmm. That was three months later. Uh, we went through buyer's remorse because, you know, now we're out of the energy and we're like, we didn't have 600 to spend. The only reason we showed up at the three day event was to get our money back. No. I was ready for a fight. <laughs> I was ready for them to tell me I couldn't have my money back. But they knew what was going on in my mind and they handled it very well. And they invited us to come in and just, well, they figured out how to get the, a refund done, come in and listen. By the time um, lunch hit, my wife and I were like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. We're glad we're good, here. Good. And uh, where we was learned it? why Excuse we were me. dead. It was this in Canada? Yeah. Where exactly? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was here in Alberta. Uh-huh. Actually, only about 15 kilometers away from where mm-hmm. I live right now. Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned why we were in debt how to manage your money, but more importantly, we learned to take responsibility for our debt. Mm -hmm. See, I had been good at playing the victim. They lost my investment. It's because of them. Yeah. And when we learned to take responsibility, that's when our life changed. Yeah. But the the second most important thing we did when we left that three days, we did what most people don't do. Mm. See, and I can only give you the statistic for North America. In North America, only 3% of people on average will actually utilize knowledge that they've been given. Now, 3%, that's very that's odd. It. That's very odd. It is. I mean, yeah, in it, any it, field? It, I've traveled around the world. You you mean in any field? Well, it, in any field, yeah. And if you learn something new, only 3% of people will actually utilize it. Well, that's... And because we're creatures of habit, mm-hmm. habit right? right? Right, okay, I see And the saying. only reason probably we decide to do something is because we were so stressed out, we knew something had to change. And we left that three-day training and we went, okay, we're going to do what we just learned and we're going to put it into practice. And because we did, and we did it diligently, mm-hmm. we ended up going from being that over $150,000 in debt to actually retired completely financially free nine months later when we were You know, uh, I'm listening to you and listening to you and you're making me think, um, I had a couple of weeks ago, a woman who is a financial consultant of some sort, but there's another title. And you know, what was uh, interesting and intriguing was she said, the topic of money is very taboo. And what she meant is you don't go telling or asking how much somebody makes. You don't, you know, right. unless you really are doing it for a reason, because there's a training purpose and all of that you're selling. Um, and I, I said, well, geez, that must be like sex. She said, well, it's worse than sex. And it's interesting that you are, you know, breaking it up, cutting it up, spitting it out, just like that, you know? And yeah. um, and I'm trying to think, 
it must have been, it, it's, it's a matter of survival. Uh, that is a matter of survival to get out of. Oh, it was. It, it definitely was. And and it, it changed my life so much. That's why the last 18 years, that's what I've now personally taught over half a million people around the world. Because my mentor was only in Canada at the time. Mm-hmm. But then he started going a little into the U.S. And I, when I did my first training, it was I was the first person to ever train his material. Mm-hmm. And when we proved someone else could teach it, all of a sudden we exploded all over North America and then the world. And so because it changed my life and it's exactly what you just said people don't talk about money yeah but yet this is something that i believe needs to be taught in schools yes what yes. money really is yeah. how to handle it how to budget it you know we're we're taught for all the years in school and and kids think that money just comes from yeah. unless their parents teach them about money yeah. which is very rare there's a, a, they just believe that money happens right there's another interesting thing i could uh, insert here Money is also a language of love. You know, the languages of love could be touch, right? One is touch, one mm-hmm. you know, yeah. are gifts and money. And I never understood that until it happened. And then I was freaked out. But it's true. Some people, that's their way of giving. Yeah. That's their way. Yeah, let me of giving. shower upon you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely. interesting. And let so, me show you how much I love you. And exactly. And it's flowing and there's movement in money. And the movement of money is fascinating. Um, let, it is. let me uh, bring in something here of cyber currency. Cybers? Is that I'm saying the right thing? Not cybers. Cyber security. Yeah, crypto. Cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, have you, <laughs> cyber? I was thinking of cybersecurity. Do you have anything to do with cryptocurrency? Do you, if you don't mind at me asking, um, because oh, absolutely, I do. because I I imagine that someone who has an income that comes in fairly rapidly in a certain period of time, eventually, their banks will probably knock on your door and say, "Come on, you got time to put this money somewhere, right?" And uh, how are you in terms of investing? Who is Robert Riappel when that yeah. person comes knocking on their door? I I am what I teach to people because uh-huh. that's all I can do is teach my experience. And to me, um, any investment is risky. Yeah, I don't care what the return is unless you do your own due diligence yes. and you understand it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I do what I teach my students. I say, what is it you enjoy and learn to invest in that. Mm-hmm. So as an example, if you enjoy real estate, do real estate. Don't touch crypto. Don't touch stock market. Because right. if you don't right. enjoy it, you're not yeah. going to put the proper time into it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, yeah, when I started learning about crypto, I wanted to learn about it. So I dove in yeah. to understand it. Because you know, some people are going, oh my goodness, you're going to make a ton of money. Yeah, but you can also lose it yeah. if you don't know what to do. And if you allow the emotion to get in, that's the worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen. And how many people, especially today, they're putting in and, and with how volatile, you know, Bitcoin's been up and down and yes. up and down. I know people that watch it every five minutes yes. mm-hmm. and that's not living. Yeah. See, that's stressing yourself mm-hmm. out. So for me, um, I like being the bank. So I like second mortgages. So I will invest in second mortgages where I have a secure, I know enough about it. I have the right people to bring the proper um, uh, deals to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind being the bank because mm-hmm. I get a higher interest rate. In crypto, with crypto, I put in a consistent amount and it's it's the long-term game. I'm not going to sit there, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell Mm -hmm. and hope to get the right flow. No, I'm going to keep putting in a consistent amount because I, in my belief from what I've learned, is going to, Bitcoin is the only one I touch. It's going to keep going up. 
So I'm going for the long term. I'm not doing yeah, the instant. Yeah. I'm not I'm doing going day to make you that. laugh. Um, one of my hats is a psychic medium. And I swear to you, I have never had so many clients come to me about money issues and cryptocurrency <laughs> as this year after the first right? rage of COVID. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have to do my homework, you know, <laughs> but I've learned so much just by, you know, reading for them. And I've realized yeah. there are so many different currencies that just crop up like, like mushrooms. Um, yeah. It's a world that you. Well, the average right now, I think it's on average um, 60 new cryptocurrencies yeah. a month are created. Okay. Can you imagine? A month. Right. So there's now thousands of them. And that's why I stick to Bitcoin mm -hmm. because it's the original. It's the kind of the gold standard and it's the new gold standard, right? It's even taking over gold standards now being accepted around the world. And there's even Ecuador, I believe, um, it, it's made it a legal currency mm -hmm. in Ecuador. And so, yeah, and, and but you have to do your homework um, even. And, and here's I'm not saying a person always has to invest their own money themselves. I have other people invest. But I know enough, I've educated myself enough to know if they're doing a good job or not, if they know what they're doing or not. Because again, I'm going to take responsibility for my money. I'm not going to sit there and go, they lost my money. Well, I'm the one who gave them the money to invest. So then I'm taking responsibility. So you have to know enough. Yeah. You have to do your homework. Recently, I had um, the occasion, I had to change bank accounts. I had to change banks for several reasons. And um, on this occasion, uh, the, the there's a, a, an interview process that they go through. They want to know your spending habits. They want to know your saving habits. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to know if I was ready to invest a certain amount. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to go back to the mattress. He says, Senora, he says, Senora, that's where that that's the first place they look when they <laughs> rob your house. <laughs> He said, we'll talk about yeah, that another time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so here I am. I'm um, Claudia Monicelli, and I opened a, a small business, right? I'm going to, I heard mm -hmm. by word of mouth, word of mouth, <laughs> I'm a linguist, right? Today I can't make my tongue work. Um, I heard by word of mouth that Robert Riappel is a person who motivates. And I'm just really in a depressed state because I haven't made proper decisions in my, uh, you know, in my investing, investing my time, money, energy in my ideas. So I get in touch with you. And what is the first thing you do? I've looked at your website. Perhaps this friend of mine has told me what you do. And I decided to be bold and get in touch with you directly. What do you do? Do you have the time to talk to me or how does it go? I, I will make time mm -hmm. and I want to find out who you are mm -hmm. because I believe that each person's different. I can't just do a cookie cutter for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I need to know what your passions are. I need to know kind of what your tolerance is for fear because I'm going to, I stretch people to get out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I stretch them. And um, if I, if someone's not willing to be stretched, then I, okay, I don't, so I'd rather not let's work with play. Them. You ready to play? All right, yeah, so so always. we're on a <laughs> we're on a phone call, and um, and then you want to find out how much I could stretch, right? What would you typically ask me initially to get some pointers or clues? 
about that from me? Well, it would just be in a natural conversation. But okay. one of the things I would start off with is um, finding out what stresses you out okay. and how much you beat up on your own self. Uh-huh. Because, you know, a lot of people are relentless on how they beat themselves up. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they get overwhelmed is because they don't believe they have the right or are good enough to do anything more. And so I love to teach people first to be more gentle with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that saying that mm-hmm. if you had a friend that treated you the way you treat yourself, they wouldn't be your friend for very long. Right. So I want people to give themselves permission to be okay mm-hmm. with making mistakes. Okay. And help them understand that failure, there's, to me, there's no such thing as failure. Mm-hmm. To me, failure is only feedback because some of our greatest lessons come from what didn't work. Uh Some of our greatest motions forward come from where we stumbled. And it's only a failure if we don't keep going, if we don't pick ourselves up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And so, you know, one of my goals... Roberto, wait a minute, Roberto. You said to me once, (laughs) you said something about failing faster. So there's something about failing that is in your vocabulary. What does that mean for you? Well... My, every year, my goal with my teams and my business, mm-hmm. I want to fail three times faster than I did the year before. Why? Because then that's where we get more lessons. Okay. Because every time we do a project or every time we do something, there's three powerful questions we always ask. We sit down and I do this, whether it's by myself or with my team members, we ask, and this is done with no emotion, uh-huh. no emotional right. attachment, no beating. It's okay. just first thing, what worked? And we make a, a, a checklist. Mm-hmm. This worked, this Life worked, this white. worked, this mm-hmm. worked. Okay. Yeah. Second question, what did not work? And this is where it's important to keep the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just point of form. This didn't work. This didn't work. And you have to also own the, like, that it's your perspective. You can't sit there and go, well, Claudia, you did this and it didn't mm-hmm. work. It's, you know, in my opinion, from what I observed, this didn't work. And so again, you get the points mm-hmm. down. And then the third question is, okay, what can we do different? Yeah. And we really look at what didn't work to make the decisions on what to do different. And so by failing forward or failing faster, it allows us to then make adjustments. Look, the world's in a different time right, right now. Sure. And even yesterday, I was on one of my weekly calls with one of my partners and one of my mentee students, my mentoring students, mm-hmm. because part of his mentoring with me is he gets to observe me doing real meetings, mm-hmm. behind the scenes business. And, and the whole conversation was, okay, we've done this and this the last couple of times. We've been noticing this isn't working. It worked all the time in the past, but it's not working now. So guys, what are we going to do different? Okay. Wait a second. And from having that, we are going to make strategy. I stop you every now and then because I know there's this this ladders. I see ladders and structure. Uh, You're talking about (laughs) teams and mentees and mentors. So give me an idea of how you have grown and uh, what, what does it look like? How many people are involved uh, to give us an idea of, the structure of what you do? Oh, well, I've got a very small structure. Uh So I've got, um, depending on where in the world, I've got a business partner in India for any of the trainings I do there. I've got a um, business partner in in the Philippines for trainings I do there, same with Vietnam. Uh So I've got partners in the different countries. But with my main businesses, I actually have a gentleman out of the US that is a business partner in my one training. And then I have uh, another gentleman who's become a family member, a friend, who is a business partner in my app development okay. um, out of the U.S. as well. And so I have those business partners. And then for staff, it's really, I've now got three virtual assistants. Okay, so and so me. hang on. You talk about mentees. Um, are those the people yeah. who come to you? Let's, I, I call them clients. I'm not sure if they are because you're yes. talking about yeah. training. It might be different. Uh, 
Yeah. The, the, there are people that want to be trainers. Okay. And so I, every year I'll take on three to five um, one-on-one mentee, mentoring students mm-hmm. where, cause it's my kind of my high end where for them, for them to work with me one-on-one and me to take my one-on-one time, it's very expensive. Yeah. Now you put that in perspective, the fact that I help them make seven figure um, incomes and businesses, it's not expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's always perspective, right? And so they get to shadow me. They get okay. to have one-on-one okay. time with me to really learn deep. Mm-hmm. That's why they're my mentors. All right. So, so let's say, um, so there are business partners, okay? There are people who work mm-hmm. for you. I don't know, business partner, you can call them representatives or, or a, a node in another place of the world. Um, can I ask you how you find them? I, I really want to scratch <laughs> I want the secrets. I mean, uh, is it by word of mouth? You call someone there and is there someone that has, no. has these characters? So how does that work? Um, it's always happened just on the natural flow of my life. Mm-hmm. So um, a few of my business partners, a couple of them started off as students of mine. Mm. Uh, then okay, then they just loved the work I did mm-hmm. and they were a student and, and I noticed a skill that they had yeah. that I didn't have. Uh-huh. So we just ended up becoming more friends and what can we do together? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, in the other countries, those business partners came from a third-party company that I contract to, to do the trainings. And they had the relationships with all those business partners in each country. So every time I'd go to the country, I'd get to know them more. Uh, if they, and I'm always big about someone's got to resonate with me. Yeah. Uh, and this is something I teach people. If you're looking for a mentor, which in my opinion, you want to have at least two mentors in your life at all times. Yeah. And what I've learned over the years, though, is you want a mentor that is in alignment with you. Mm-hmm. I will never have someone as a mentor who they could make me a lot of money, yeah. but I don't like who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. They've got to resonate with me and we've got to have an alignment. So that's where a lot of them come from. But the one partner I have, we came from, we were in the same mastermind group. Mm-hmm. And someone mentioned how they were working with him and that he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And there's something I was looking for, okay, so his skills in my word next Word of mouth um, as venture. well, yeah. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Interesting. And, that's, and so they all, we, and, and we, we test it out and I'm a big win-win person. Mm-hmm. So and what, what do you mean by that? Together, what do you mean by that? Win-win? Well, I'm not going to be the boss and you're just going to be an hourly, uh-huh. um, uh, an hourly employee. I want to make sure you have ownership in things. Okay. So if we are going to do a partnership, there's got to be, it's got to be a partnership. Okay. I put in sweat equity and money, you put in sweat equity and money, we split the results Mm -hmm. and we work together. I may be the one that everybody's listening to. Right, I get it. But their skills are behind the scenes. Exactly. What I don't have. Of course. So now let's go, every every time you say something, I'm going to jump on it, okay? You talked about an app (laughs) and I'm at the point of creating an app. So I'm curious as uh, to, you know, I talk to a lot of people obviously, but but everyone has a different story about apps and mm. it's Im- amazing <laughs> it's amazing it's as many cryptocurrencies there are there are ideas of how to make apps um and you can do anything with apps yeah you can you can but they also could yeah. come out horribly if you don't put this job in the right hands i've seen it mm-hmm so terribly fail i mean after it was publicized mm-hmm. worldwide and then you go to see the app it doesn't work it was a mess you know um so of course at the basis there were problems there right you just can't yeah. it can't be that bad so in your case how does that how did that develop did you have a hard time with that 
or are you having a hard time with that? Oh yeah, it's it's been an absolute journey. This is Claudia. a difficult it's been an absolute journey. Yeah, I walked into when I'm doing trainings. I also still like to be a student. Mm-hmm. And a number of years ago, I was doing a, a guest um, spot at a week long training. And when I wasn't on the stage, I would go to some of the breakout rooms yeah. to learn. And I walked into a room, and it was the wrong room. But of course, <laughs> yeah. it's never the wrong right? room. Yeah. I sat down and this guy's talking about apps. And as soon as I realized he's talking about apps, I'm like, oh, that's not the room I was meant to be. I got up and I'm walking out. But then he said something that stopped me in my tracks. Mm-hmm. He said, most businesses, they start their business, they design their websites, they launch, they get going. And then as an afterthought, they design an app. Right. He said, why not design an app to launch your business? There you go. And it got my attention. He'd been given some great statistics. So I sat back down. At the end, I went up to him and we're talking. I said, so I'm writing a book right now. Could you use an app to write a book? And he said, well, tell me a little bit about your book. Mm-hmm. So I gave him the insight of what I want to write in my book. And he's just started rattling off all these amazing things we could do with an app. And my jaw dropped. I'm like, you can do that? Yeah. And he's like, absolutely. So I decided to start building out an app based on my book that I was writing, mm-hmm. which is my book now, Success Left a Clue, my first book. And it, um, in it, because in my book, I talk about creating dream boards or vision boards. Okay. So in the app, okay. we designed where you can actually create your right. vision board right on okay. the app. Okay. And um, there's accountability, so you can find accountability partners. Right. I also talk about taking action, so there, the app holds you accountable. And so when we started it, there was an app designer recommended to me mm-hmm. right here in Canada. And I started funding it, and I didn't realize that the guy wasn't doing what he was supposed to. I was getting frustrated. I knew things weren't coming along as quickly as they would. And the one gentleman I was telling you about that's like family now, who's yeah. a business partner, he actually had invested in my app. And he's brilliant at computers. And one day, it was a Sunday, I'm driving to visit family, and my phone rings, and we answer it. And he's like, sorry to phone you on a Sunday. I'm like, Jason, what's going on? He goes, I just got it. I had to tell you today. He said, last night, something was bugging me about the app and the way it's being developed because we hadn't launched yet, Ah. right? So thank goodness. He said, last night, he said, I downloaded a virus from the internet and within 20 minutes, I had totally hacked the whole app. Oh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. And I said, first of all, why are you sorry for calling me? Thank you for having the willingness to call me. I said, you know, on second, what do we do about it? And that led us to us firing the app designer because... Mm. He was supposed to be doing everything in-house, but where the security oh, breaches no. were, oh. outsourcing everything. Oh, no. So there was so many security oh, no. breaches. And I'm if I'm going to develop an app and I'm going to have someone's data, I want it super secure. Yeah. So thank goodness we learned this before yeah. we launched it. Yeah. And so we, we, we got it together, version one, so that it was secure and launchable. Mm-hmm. And we put it out there to start to find out, are we on the right track, getting people to test it. And it is my book in an app form. And I use it. I was the biggest user of it because I was doing my success journaling right. in it, everything. Right. We're now working on version two and we've shut version one down because uh, it was easier and get this. There were so many problems. It was actually easier to shut build a version from yeah. scratch yeah. than trying to fix all the holes yeah. in the old one. Mm-hmm. And so version two, my um, so far investor, he then became a business partner and he started coding out the second version because he's brilliant at it. And so we've got it a few months out from being done version two, but what version one was version two makes version one look like kindergarten. <laughs> We're talking it's much more dynamic yeah. because we've learned so much on this yeah. journey over the last few yeah. years. We know what we don't want, what we do want. This, so it has been a journey. Yeah, it's it's making me think of the Wizard of Oz 
you know, after this journey, <laughs> you're just going to go to sleep and the house is going to go start flying and you're going to end up yeah, in yeah. You know, this terrible dream. Click my ruby slippers. Ruby There's no place like home. Right? There's no place like home. Get me back. <laughs> Yeah, because um, you mentioned that uh, it was in some way an offshoot or a companion to your book because there were the workbooks or or exercises in it. Yeah. Is that right? Well, the the intention was that the app would actually be how we launched the book. Ah, I so see. So that when I finally I finished writing it, then we'd be able to. And so because it, we struggled with it so much, I finally just um, wrote, wrote the, the book. book. And in 2017, yeah. we launched the book. Uh, it's now an international best-selling book, mm -hmm. and I'm now writing my the second title book. again. And so, yeah, say the title. Tell us. It's called "Success Left a Clue." Success left a clue. Okay, good, nice, yes. nice title, nice title. Yeah, very nice title. Oh, good for my you. life. I've been as I travel around the world, I've been seeing clues yeah, from success. Nice. I'm like, well, there's clues. Yeah. And I'm known on stage, Claudia, for giving people clues. <laughs> and I mean, my whole audience, I'll, I'll say to them, I say. How many of you like an, another clue to success? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I say, so put your hands up like this. And I, they have to pinch their fingers and their thumb together. And I say, Get, you got to say it like this. Go, Give us a clue. Yeah. And they have to drop their voice when they do it. We have so much fun. In, um, in Italian, this would be money. When you go like yeah, that. Well, cha -ching, cha -ching, cha -ching, yeah, well, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Money, 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 money. Yes. I right. were a rich man, yeah. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. very if interesting. Dance. And it's nice. I mean, I like the idea of the app that you know, but my I can't wrap my mind about around that because it's the egg and the chicken, and I have the chicken already. I haven't got the egg. <laughs> and so but it could be at this point, because I have a hand, a book in my hands as well. And it's ready to be launched. And I'm thinking of the app and I'm thinking, well, come on, you've got to put your ideas. So I think maybe I'll go to sleep and see what comes out in the next, you know, in Italian, well, they say. I'm going to give you a night. suggestion. Oh, a clue. Quit. Yeah, <laughs> a I'm going to give you a clue. <laughs> give me that clue. Quit trying to, yeah, quit trying to do it on your own. Oh, oh no, no, see, not doing it on I was own. trying to figure it out. Yeah, get... Ask people. Sure, sure, sure. Reach yeah. out to the people, your audience, and say, "Hey, what would you like to see?" Yeah. In in here's in, some options. This, right. Let them tell yeah. you what they would love. Yeah, I have this uh, YouTube channel that's flourishing. You know, so I usually put out polls, and that's what I'm going to do because I like to manage the uh, discussion. You know, I I like to, my idea yes. to come out. Of course, you know. So how interesting. So you must have another book in your hands, right? Well, I do. I am um, writing my second book, which is called The Authority Key. Hmm. And it's how to unlock and open the doors to your success. Yeah. Now, because have you ever noticed, Claudia, that there's people that can have the same amount of knowledge and experience as you or even less, but they make more money? Have you ever noticed that? Oh, well, yes. And power. <laughs> and power. <laughs> yeah. And, and the difference is, is usually they're perceived to be an authority yeah. where you can have more knowledge, more experience, but it's the perception. And so the book isn't just going to be how to position yourself to practical right. skills, like running a podcast mm -hmm. like you are, or YouTube, being an author. That's one way to position yourself as an authority. What I do is I'm doing the deeper dive into who are you as the person mm -hmm. to be able to handle what being an authority brings to you. Because yeah. most people end up sabotaging their own success yeah. because they don't have the right mindset. They mm -hmm. don't realize why they're doing what they're doing. So I do teach in the book, it'll teach the practical skills, but it'll be more focused on who's the person. 
How do you make sure you're in alignment mm -hmm. so that as you create more success in your life, you're able to handle it and keep it mm -hmm. and have balance in your life? So let's say uh, from what you have been saying so far and from what I know about you, it revolves around making a living. A person's livelihood is, is this right? Okay. Money, money, money. Yeah. Well, right. Yes. But also your passion. Okay. I, I'm, I'm passionate about helping people find what they love and then learn how to make money doing what they love. Okay. So when they wake up in the morning, they wake up going, Oh, I can't wait for the sure. day instead of waking up going, Oh crap. Of course. Okay. Now that's, that's, I get that. I get that. But, uh, let's say, yeah. do people come to you who are literally depressed? I mean, yes. uh, they're, they're all stages of life. Okay. All stages. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. people who are not even thinking about the money yet because they don't think they could get there. Right. Because what I do is I work with people on all realms, mental, emotional, spiritual, okay. physical, and financial, mm -hmm. because we are holistic beings. Money is just one area. Mm -hmm. Financial is just, and money is a tool, mm -hmm. but yet we wrap so much emotion around it. So we've got to work with the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical also, mm -hmm. so that you can, as a, a person can have the area you don't look at or work with is the area that's going to take out and sabotage you the rest. I'm going to so give I work you with the whole being. I'm going to give you a clue, <laughs> a little clue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there in somewhere in the work you do, it would be interesting if it could come out as a game, you know, the app could be a game companion to the book in some way, you know, invent the game. And that's, that is nice because then yeah. you're playing, you know, how did you know I'm a big person in gamification? Ah. All my trainings have games in them. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We got to get the app for the because game. Because that's another way people learn, right? Yeah. yeah. They people have to enjoy themselves. And, and the, the second version will be very much gamified. Ah. Because you mean the I second want people book? To want to go back. The second book, you mean? The, the second version of the app. Ah. And my ah, book. Okay, is okay, okay. Well. All yes. right. Now we're on. Now we're cooking yeah. with gas. This is good. Good. Interesting. Yeah. See, like as an example, this weekend, I'm going to do a full two day training mm -hmm. based on my book. Uh -huh. And on the second day the of the second training, book or the first? I love using the first book of the uh -huh. second book mm -hmm. of the second book. Um, and so one of the on the second day of the training, I'll actually teach the students something called the four phases of life. Uh -huh. And then I'll put them into breakout rooms on Zoom uh -huh. to actually play a game to really anchor oh, in how those four phases work in their life. All right. So come on. You mentioned it. So we have to say it. What are these four phases of life? Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, the first phase, and I use the acronym OPEN because I love acronyms. It makes it yes, easier for me course, to remember. Of course. And so the O stands for the observation mm -hmm. phase. When a person's in an observation phase, this is the time to uh, dream, mm -hmm. meditate. Right. What would I really like my life to look like? Not how am I going to create it? How will it happen? This is the time to just say, be present and go, what would I love? What would I love my health, my wealth, my relationships, all of the, my areas of life to look like? So when you're in the observation phase, and there's actually a science behind how you don't get to choose, Claudia, mm -hmm. when you go in and out of a phase. The universe decides. Yeah, well, yes. You just have to know how to identify it mm -hmm. and know what to do while Recognize you're in that phase mm -hmm. to be able to utilize it. Yeah. So when you go from the observation phase, the next phase is the phase that most people, especially entrepreneurs, either ignore mm -hmm. or don't believe they can do. The P stands for the pamper phase. This is the phase where it's about taking care of you. Mm, okay. You cannot give what you don't have. Right. 
Okay. When I started training, I was training so much and living my passion so much. I got burnt out because I didn't take yes. care of me yes. properly. I herniated a disc. I oh, went through two oh, back surgeries because I wasn't taking no, care of me, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the pamper phase, this is where you plan or go on a vacation. You get a massage. You take 10 minutes and read a book or 20 minutes and read if you enjoy that or listen to music. This is how you regenerate yourself. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I, as an example, get, get, look, we what's your live wife's by the first calendars name? on our phone. What's your wife's first name? Roxanne. Roxanne. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, we live by the calendars on our phone. And when we go to do our schedule, the very first thing we put on the calendar before anything else is our balance pieces, mm -hmm. how we pamper ourselves. This is time for each other, mm -hmm. time for ourselves, time for family. We put those on the calendar first. Right. Okay. See, in, in, in wealth, they say wealth rule number one, pay yourself first. Well, why wouldn't you do that with your time as well? Mm -hmm. See, most people, if I have time left at the end of the day, I'll take care of myself. Right. No, put it on your schedule first. So in the pamper phase, that's taking care of you so you can, because you right. can't give what you don't have. Then the E stands for the energy phase. Mm. When you enter an energy phase, this is the get it done phase. Mm. This is where you write your book. This is where you do the emails. This is where you do the um, meetings. This is where you are really, you, I can put in an 18 hour day of energy. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm tired, but I'm not wasted or right. burnt out right. because I've taken care of the pamper side. And a lot of things I hear from as I've traveled around the world and done this research, people go, but Robert, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do yeah. anything else between my family, my business, my job. And what I've realized is that people are really good at being busy. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily productive. And again, there's a big difference between those two. Right. And so the second thing that goes on my calendar after my balance pieces, the second thing that goes on here mm -hmm. is my focus time. Uh -huh. See, research has proven that a person can really only truly stay focused on something for about an hour at a time before their mind starts to wander. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I will put, say when for writing my new book, I'll put 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, um, write book. Mm -hmm. And in that hour, I come into my office, no distractions. I write for an hour and in an hour of being productive, it's equivalent to about six hours of being busy. Yeah. yeah. So I actually free up time by utilizing when I'm in my energy phase, I am productive. Then the end, I had to get creative on this one. For me. <laughs> what is lie. it? I can't imagine. The end doesn't, the end does not stand is not the first letter of the word. It's the second oh. letter of the word. <laughs> what is, what, what does it <laughs> and stand the, for? The word is unclutter, unclutter. Mm -hmm. Another name for unclutter is chaos. Mm -hmm. See, have you ever noticed things can be going well and it's like the world smacks you upside the head and what happens is when the world or the universe sends you or God sends you a lesson, mm -hmm. if you don't pay attention, you notice you'll get the lesson again. Oh, you get it anyway. more intensity. Oh, much more right. intensity. Right, and it's going to come back hard. And the reason that happens is because when chaos enters people's life, they resist it. But if they understand mm -hmm. that as human beings, we were meant to evolve. And chaos is how we evolve. we evolve. So chaos is actually natural. So if you embrace it, you can actually courageously, courageously cooperate. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't see him. This is an audio. He's smiling when he's saying that. Courageous. He said it <laughs> twice, three times. He's smiling. He's now it's getting wider and wider, that smile. Absolutely. <laughs> because if you understand this, this is why I call it unclutter. The way you courageously cooperate with chaos is it's time to, in that phase, you get rid of something. 
you destroy something in your life that's not working. This is the time that maybe you destroy a personal or business relationship. Mm. This is the time that if you have been wanting a new car, you've got to be willing to let go of the old car to get the new car. So in other words, be willing to let go of what's good to get what's great. Be willing to let go of what's great to get what's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so the reason I call it unclutter is, Claudia, have you ever gone to your fridge, opened it up, and you're like, ooh, maybe I need to take something out of there that shouldn't be in there anymore. Nah, never you happens to me. You can actually unclutter your refrigerator. <laughs> never happens to me. I'm a I, I woman. So. I knew, I knew that. <laughs> so I unclutter my office every mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And if it's something I'm not using anymore, I either donate it, sell it, or get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I unclutter my I closet. I know. So by actually uncluttering your life, you teach the universe that it doesn't have to send you such intense chaotic yeah. moments. Yeah. And then you'll evolve. And probably the biggest thing for people to destroy, for them to destroy when they're in the um, uncluttered phase, is a belief that doesn't support them anymore. Yeah. Now. And the greatest way to do that is to the greatest, you know, proof is the cure of all doubt. Mm -hmm. So when you enter a chaos phase, if there's a, a belief that's been holding you back, set out to prove it wrong, that it is an error belief right, in your mind. Right. And you may have had it for generations. Mm -hmm. So when I love what a friend of mine said, he said this, when it comes to life, instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you mm. because you don't have any control. The control you have is how you decide to react and respond react. to every situation that mm -hmm. happens. And so that's the key because once you come through chaos, it puts you back into the observation yeah. phase, which opens you up to have even greater dreams, greater perspectives. And you'll cycle through again and I'll again add, and again. Uh, something Sometimes, to chaos. I'll add something to chaos as part of my research. Yeah. Chaos actually is the precursor of organization. It, it self-organizes, mm -hmm. right? So you can yeah. bank on that, really, that after yeah. the storm, you know, the sun comes. So it's, something, it's, it's yeah. a natural phenomenon. So everyone should expect it, really. Yeah. And, and embrace it. Embrace, embrace it. it yeah. Because if you embrace it, you actually utilize the power instead of getting hit by right, the power. Right, right. And, right. And, and think of business. One of the greatest sayings in business is after problems come opportunity. Yeah. And that's where, and what is a business? You solve problems for people at a profit. Yeah, right. And so when you are able to solve a problem right. of someone going through chaos, yeah. That's how you become more valuable yeah, yeah. in your business. Yeah. Well, now you're going to become really valuable to us because all good things have to come to an end. I hate to say it was such a lovely conversation. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> but but let's uh, let's see if we could close this conversation by giving a thought for the day. You must have a thought mm. because we went we covered so much ground. A thought for this, what day is it today? <laughs> it is a Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thor. Of, of the recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I believe that the greatest gift anybody can give this planet, Claudia, is to be themselves authentically Ooh, and show up that good. way. Good, good. So always live with passion and be you. You're a good man, Robert. Raymond Riappel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. It was really a joy to have you. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. Thank you.